Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundations. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Well, welcome to the podcast again today. My name is Jeff. I'll be your host. And our guest today is a returning guest. We have Gidon Ariel on the podcast with us again today. He's the founder and CEO of RootSource, an organization dedicated to promoting respectful relationships between pro-Israel Christians and Jews. Uh, Gidon, welcome back to the podcast today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you back. And um, we wanted to talk a little bit today. I was doing a podcast uh, the other day, and it kind of struck me as we were chatting together with our guests that most people don't know that Jesus' favorite book is probably not the one that they think it is. Uh, you know, that that when the book of 2 Timothy, Paul talks about the fact that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 in the New Testament, Paul is actually referring to the same scriptures that Jesus read, of course. And uh, that would be prior to the compilation of what we call, what Christians call the New Testament. And, uh, you know, so it's it's kind of a little bit ironic. A lot of people probably think, well, Jesus' favorite book was the New Testament. But we know that when Jesus said, it is written, and he said that quite a bit, that uh, that really wasn't what he was referring to. And so... Um, want to just talk a little bit. You you know a lot as an Orthodox Jew, you know uh, very much about the Torah and uh, about the Tanakh. And so what books were contained, you know, in Jesus' Bible and, and which book within those scriptures did he quote the most? And so I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, so just kind of off the top, talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on what I just shared. Well, first of all, there's a little bit of an anachronism. Uh, we're going to be talking. I might use that word more than once in this conversation. Uh, the anachronism there, of course, is the word "book," because uh, right. when people when people think of books, they think of something that you can buy on Amazon, and uh, you know you can fold the corner over so that you can uh, get back to the same page you were on. There were no. I don't think that there were many books in Jesus's time in that kind of way, where you have a cover and a bunch of pages. In uh, Jesus' time, we were still learning from scrolls and reading scrolls. We were, we were doing a lot less reading. It's not like you could subscribe to a magazine, you know, what, what could you do in your spare time? There, were, there was no printing press, of course. And so the, the, the um, written a, a texts were, this was, again, before the scriptariums, uh, scriptarii, of, uh, of the later, when I say the later Christians, I'm talking about like in the third or fourth century. But uh, in that first century, then you had the scrolls of the Torah and of the other books of the Tanakh. You mentioned the Tanakh, the Tanakh. The Torah, of course, is the five books of Moses, uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then comes the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim. The Nevi'im are the prophets, and the Ketuvim are the writings. And uh, the, the, that is, in general, what is uh, pretty much overlapping to what uh, 
nowadays people call the Old Testament because it's difficult for them to pronounce the Tanakh. Uh, or for other reasons. <laughs> uh, the uh, the um, order of the books within those... Uh, I'm, I'm not a big a big uh, expert on the order of the books in the Old Testament. I'm not even such an expert on the order of the books in the Tanakh itself because uh, you've got, besides those five books that are, that are easy to remember, you've got, I would say, about... Uh, um, about uh, 15, yeah, you probably have about 15 or maybe even 20 books. In, yeah, yeah, here's the deal. In the end of the prophets, you have what are known as the minor prophets. And they, they of course, are not minor. They're very major. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it into the Bible. Right. But uh, they are relatively short books compared to what are may be called the major prophets of Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. Um, and we're talking about uh, Jonah, uh, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zechariah. There are 12 of them. In uh, Jewish tradition, they are called Treasar, which is Aramaic for 12. So you have those 12, and you have the uh, um, pro prophetic prophets, I guess you could call them, who I just mentioned before. I might have left out one, but uh, you know, so sue me. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> earlier books of what we call the prophets are what you might call the uh, historical books. They start off with, uh, I'm doing this all off, all off the top of my head. I'm, I don't have a doctorate in, in uh, Bible, so I might miss one or two again and maybe get them in the wrong uh, order. But uh, there you have uh, Joshua. Following Joshua, you have Judges, and following Judges, you have Kings. No, I'm sorry, you have Samuel before Kings. And that is the story of, uh, uh, Samuel is mostly the story of David and, uh, and Solomon. And the books of Kings are uh, the dozen, two dozen, three dozen or so uh, 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 kings who uh, lasted from the end of Solomon's reign until the end of everybody's reign. And the people of Israel and, and even the people of Judah were exiled. Mm -hmm. The people of Israel, were the, the northern kingdom, were exiled about 100 years before the uh, southern kingdom, but ultimately they were all exiled. And then 70 years later they came back, and that is the book, uh, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, which are, even though they are historical, they are... Um, canonized in that last part, which is the writings, called the Kituvim. Katab is right, so Kituvim. And those books start out with the three, I believe they, they are often called the books of wisdom. I would actually call them the books of truth, because uh, their um, acronym is Aleph Mem Tav, Emet, which, uh, stand, which, uh, stand, which the word that emet means truth, and they stand for Eov, or in English, Job. Um, M is Mem, stands for Mishlei, uh, Proverbs, and the last of those three books is Tehillim, Psalms. Actually, they are in the opposite order in, in the canonization of the Bible. Then they, I think, fo are followed by the five Megillot, the, sc the scrolls, the most famous for us of which is the scroll of Esther, which we uh, read that story on the holiday of Purim, which is uh, 
very joyous holiday. Mm-hmm. And there are another four. I, I won't take up too much more time. And then towards the end, as I mentioned, you have Ezra and Nehemiah and the uh, Chronicles 1 and 2, which are very much um, parallel to, um, to the book of Kings and, and maybe even Samuel and Samuel also. So I think I just went through the entire Tanakh all by heart. How did I do? Well, I also am not an expert on the Tanakh, so I think you did pretty well. It sounded it sounded very convincing to me, and uh, certainly I recognize every one of the books that you talked about. So that's a start, right? Um, uh, yeah. Listen, when Jesus is a boy, so first century, you know, Jewish boy. Um, how accessible are are these writings to him? Does he, you know, does he have a copy at home? How does that all work? That is a fascinating question that I've thought of, but now you're getting, now you're helping me to focus on it. I think that um, that Jesus, who on the one hand was seems to have been uh, not from. Uh, Sajic stock. His father was a, a carpenter, right? And so he was a carpenter's son, and he probably worked in, in the in the uh, the carpentry, the whatever you call that in English. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I, if I remember correctly, and again, I'm not uh, I'm not a, a, a doctorate in the Old Testament, certainly not in the New Testament. But I think it, it, it's written <laughs> over there that already when he was very young. He was impressive with his uh, um, abilities. Uh, In other words, he he probably hung out at the local um, Beit Midrash, the local hall of study. And so it's possible that there he would access the scrolls, which were probably quite expensive. I know that they're pretty, pretty expensive today. It's possible that the scrolls that were written then were written with a lot less um, care of writing them very, uh, um, if, I, if I would say, le- uh, halachically. The, Jew- the Jewish term for Jewish law is halacha, which means the way. So uh, the, nowadays that way is codified in books that were uh, uh, written a mere 400 years ago. So I'm a, and the the uh, sources of those codifications were written about were, were codified about 1500 years ago. So we're still mm. after uh, Jesus's time. So he was truly in the proto halachic times. So I don't. So while today the uh, rules, the laws of of scribery are very careful. If you don't write a letter exactly right, the whole scroll is no, no good for, for uh, um, you, uh, um, religious use. But I don't, I don't think that uh, everybody cared about that too much. And anybody who knew how to write, there weren't too many books to, to copy. So I think that he might have had a, a, a copy of a scroll that his father made or his uncle made or something like that. So in other words, I'm saying is that it's possible that the the scrolls in those days were a lot cheaper. And so it's possible that his father got uh, one for him. But certainly 
if I understand correctly, as being a, a uh, curious child, he uh, probably hung out a lot at the uh, uh, Hall of Study, the local Hall of Study, which, um, again, I'm, I might be uh, a little bit anachronistic over here, but I'm guessing that there were halls of study in many of the communities and the, and the towns and the cities in Jesus's time. So if you ask how accessible was it for him, I think those are the two probable answers. Very, very interesting. I, uh, you know, it's, it's good kind of for people to be able to visualize that and understand, uh, because from what I'm hearing you say that, you know, the, the Bible Jesus read uh, would have been pretty much the same as what, uh, you know, Jewish people read today. Is that right? I think I think that um, biblical critics, and I'm not talking about uh, who wrote the who, who authored the books, but more who wrote them down, <laughs> even uh, even yes. hundreds of years after the latest uh, 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 canonization um, time uh, timings. Of course, as an Orthodox Jew, I more lean towards the traditional way of understanding when the books were written, and that is. The Torah was written by Moses about, how much? 3,500 years ago, I think. Something like that. A, about, yeah, in, today we are close to 6,000 in the, or, or 5770 or something like that, I, I think we are. 5773 or two or something, I don't know. I, I, as far as time is concerned, every time, I, ever since I got married, I ask, my wife about everything that has to do with the calendar and and, and the watch, but uh, <laughs> back to when the, when the books were written. Traditionally, Moses wrote the five books of Moses, and Joshua probably wrote his book also. And so we're talking about the end of the um, first temple period, which was probably about twenty five hundred years ago. So again, if if you follow the Jewish tradition, and I'm guessing the Christian tradition as well, uh, I'm talking about traditional Christians and traditional Jews, then uh, the Bible was finished being written about 2,400 years ago because there were a few books that were written after the uh, um, first, the, the, the uh, Judaic uh, or, or Judean um, exile about 586 BC or something like that. Give me, give me more, give me a few hundred years one way or the other. Close <laughs> enough. Um, so by 1 AD or 30 AD or whenever you want to place uh, Jesus, that's already 500 years or so after. I'm, I'm hesitant to say the word canonization. I'll say the de facto sure. canonization, the de, de facto canonization of the Bible that we have today. In other words, it, the, the Bible, according to Jewish tradition, was canonized hundreds of years after Jesus' time. It was canonized by the sages. In other words, the sages were still arguing, arguing what books go into the Bible and what books don't? Mm. So, like, for example, famous books that were argued about was the book of Ben Sirah. 
Now, that might be called Ben Sirach or something like that in English. But it's, it's mentioned in the Talmud. Again, I'm talking about the Talmudic times, which were hundreds of years. No, no more than four or five hundred years, but probably closer. It, it was a, The Talmud, just like the, the Bible describes a period from the beginning of time, but, but mostly from Moses' time until... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's time or something like that. Again, we're, we're talking about, I think, 1,500 years. So the, the, um, the Talmud started a few hundred years before Jesus and ended a few hundred years after. So it's about 500 years. Mm-hmm. So, and, and each generation is quoted in the Talmud. Uh, in other words, one, or let me say that a little clearer, the sa- sages who lived any time in, in, that, in that period... Some of them were mentioned in the, in the Talmud. Hundreds, I think, of, of great scholars were mentioned in the Talmud and in the Mishnah, which was certainly before Jesus' time. In other words, Jesus, in Jesus' time, the de facto canonization of the Mishnah, which is, which is like in between the Bible and the Talmud, the Gemara, it's also called. So it, it wasn't yet written down. We're talking about what's called the Oral Torah, the oral law, perhaps, the oral tradition. In Hebrew, it's a lot easier. We don't have to worry about what it is. It's called the Torah Sheba'al Peh, the, the memorized or the oral. Be'al Peh means oral um, uh, Torah. We, again, believe that the written Torah had an oral Torah given with it. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, then the, the Bible says that Moses was up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. Mm-hmm. So we understand uh, from various uh, proofs that God didn't only dictate the exact text that we have today, but he also told Moses, listen, here are some uh, unwritten things that I'm going to tell you. Don't write them down but pass them down. And so we believe that that happened throughout the generations, but certainly for Moses as well. And it started to become written down around the time of Jesus. So Jesus was studying the Bible. He was studying, again, Jesus was. I was. I didn't ask him. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, projecting that uh, sure. my perspective, and I'm probably wrong, but close enough, uh, I'm projecting that Jesus was studying the Torah, the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and he was studying the Mishnah, which was not yet codified in his time. It was codified, I think, about 100 years later. But even though it wasn't codified, there, were sti- there, were, there was much text that was learned off by heart that Jesus was studying in those uh, study halls. And mm-hmm. I, I, again, I, I, I don't have three or four or five examples to just run off of my tongue. One day maybe I will. But I'm confident of that because there are so many parallels between, and not only parallels, but actual almost verbatim quotes from what Jesus says, some of his parables, some of his, his um, lessons, some to the Mishnah. That's right. The Mishnah and the Midrash and other 
um, Tanaitic sources, which the, uh, a Tana, I mean, it's an Aramaic word uh, for the Hebrew word Shana, which somebody who repeats what he heard, not just, hey, I heard some good gossip, but he repeats the important study uh, texts. We, when we think of the word text, we think of something written down. But in those days, it was written down only informally. And it was mm. mostly passed over uh, orally from teacher to student to generation to generation. So I think that the only book that Moses was... Uh, no, he wasn't even really learning from a book. I, I, again, there was probably a, a Torah scroll that uh, was canonized, again, traditionally from the time of Moses. Everything else, they were scrolls that weren't yet necessarily strongly defined as the Bible. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you what I think. Now that I'm thinking, I say, what do you mean? They didn't have a Bible? No, because the Bible itself comes from the word Biblia. It's not a Hebrew word. I believe it's Greek or Latin or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that simply means the book. But again, we didn't have books in those days. Right. We just had yeah. scrolls that some of them were arguments about how holy they were. Interestingly enough, I think, you had a better chance of getting into the Bible, obviously, before it was canonized. But once it was canonized, and, and you were close. In other words, there were arguments. Is it going in? Isn't it going in? If it would have gone in, it's the Bible. It didn't go in? You, Jews have barely heard about it. That, that, that's the, the luck of the, of the, uh, of the book. Mm. So once again, I, I'm, I'm driving all over the place today. Jesus had probably studied the, the book of Moses. 99% he had a scroll very similar to the scrolls that we have today, both in text and in format. Um, as far as the other books of the Old Testament, he probably had all of them, uh, but they weren't called the Bible. They were called they were called uh, different books that uh, that we passed down, and, and we had the permission to write them. Right. But he also right. had the uh, oral books that were not written down officially. They were like clandestinely written down. You know, you could you could write notes while you're while you're teacher was talking, but you probably wouldn't because your um, your uh, ability to remember things was was much sharper in pre-printing and pre-book days. So people were mostly remembering all of this by heart. So that is what Jesus read and what Jesus learned, I think. Very, very interesting um, insight. And to sort of, you know, boil it all down, yes, Jesus probably would have had access at least to the Torah. And um, there were other sort of an unofficial collection of writings at that time that that he also would have seen. I mean, as a, as a Jewish boy, he would have studied in, you know, the equivalent of school, which, uh, you know, would have been one of these study halls that you're talking about. And so he would have at least, I think, read the the Torah once a year. Would that be right? 
Oh, well, again, red, again, I can, I can only try to project onto first century Judaism sure. what I have in my 21st century Judaism. Yeah. And, uh, and believe that it was more or less the same. So what we, uh, what we and, and not only because, wow, same, because we have 1,500-year-old texts that describe it, that we base our traditions on today. Right. So, you know, 500 years earlier, things, things moved pretty slow back then. So he, he might have read it. Again, I'll, again I'll, I'll talk about Jesus, but I'm thinking about myself. He might have read it every year, but he probably heard it every year. In other words, there were dedicated readers. Uh, the word, they were, they were ch- chanters. They would chant the Torah, mm. which was divided. Again, it's five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They were each one divided approximately into 10 portions. And so you get 50, 52, give me. So each week you would read a different portion. And so if each of those five books has about 40 chapters, and again, that's quite an anachronism because those chapters were only created in by Christians Probably in the 400s, 500s. I'm not going to spend time uh, opening Wikipedia right now. But uh, we didn't go according to the chapters of today or the verses of today. The verses were were 99.9% identical to, to the verses that we have in, in King James Bible. The chapters, definitely not. Definitely not. So we didn't think so much about the 40 chapters. We thought about the 10 portions of the week or so. Mm-hmm. And so he would listen every Sabbath morning to the reader read the Bible every, uh, read that, uh, those portions every week. That's what he would read. And the rest of the Bible, some of it was lucky enough to be um, liturgized. What I just described was a, was part of the liturgy. You would, you would, you would listen to, the Torah reading, and we still do today, um, as part of the Sabbath services. The Sabbath service is about two hours long. It's about an hour of prayer, then about a half an hour of listening to the Torah, and then another half an hour of finishing off the prayer. Mm. And uh, in that liturgy, you also had a, a, a reading from the prophets that is somehow connected to the reading of the uh of, of the Torah, but if I remember correctly, it might it might not, not have been institu- instituted. No, it probably was. Again, Jewish history is is a big mess for people who don't uh, who don't uh, study too much. It's all they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. That's Jewish history. <laughs> uh, so so was it the Greeks who were trying to kill us or the Romans? Or the or the Crusades or, or or the Arameans or the Philistines we don't remember. So when was it? It was probably the Romans, which again that's Jesus' time. They were they they um, uh, prohibited study of the Torah, or maybe it was the or maybe it was the the Greeks. 
at some point the Torah was prohibited to be read. So the um, but the the non-canonized books and now and I'm thinking about it, it makes a lot more sense since there was no Bible yet. They couldn't say you can't read any Hebrew book. So they said, okay, we won't read the, 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 the five books of Moses, but uh, we'll read a, uh, a, a book of, of, of Samuel, a book of Kings, a book of, 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 uh, of, of, of Joshua. So that's what they did. And so it's, if, unless I'm being too, uh, too micro-anachronistic, I think that uh, Jesus also heard one chapter from Isaiah, or Joshua, or Kings, or Samuel, something like that. You can look it up in Wikipedia. What is the Haftorah, it is called. Haftarah mm-hmm. means an addition. So uh, those were the additional readings. So, again, not, not Jesus qua Jesus, but most Jews in those days, again, I'm, I'm uh, retrojecting, uh, they did what we do today. That's we, we listen to the Torah, and then we listen to the, the prophets, which were instituted when the Romans, whoever was in charge, who didn't want you to read the Torah, they said, okay, you can't read that. So you would maybe have, for, so for, at some point, you didn't read, some decades, or I don't know what, you didn't read the Torah because it, it was, uh, it was a, uh, for, uh, punishable by death. But you did read uh, a little portion that reminded you of the days when you could read the uh, the Torah. I think at some point they started clandestinely reading the Torah also, but they put a uh, uh, a guard, uh, a scout, who if they would see the 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 Roman um, police coming, they would say quickly put away the Torah and take out the Book of Joshua. <laughs> so I think that's why it might have happened, and, and certainly, certainly, in Jesus' time. Because in Jesus' time, the Romans were in charge. I don't know. Uh, obviously, the, the, the New Testament is more talking about Jesus as a teacher and a spiritual leader. But in though, but as far as I'm concerned, Jesus' time was a time of great uh, stress. That, that's even a, an, an understatement. Uh, 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 of the of the Romans, basically making life horrific for the Jews who lived in the Jewish uh, land. So that was what Jesus was living through, together with the rest of his Jewish brethren. And so some people, me included, think that Jesus was not only a. Uh, uh, um, a leader, a religious leader, a spiritual leader, a charismatic spiritual leader, but I think that he was also a uh, a revolutionary, trying. He was re- he was revolting against the Jewish leadership that was bad. That's a a main theme in the old te- in the New Testament, I believe. But he was also revolt leading a revolt against the Romans. Now, it's not like he was the... the. I don't think that... He was not the king of the Jews at the time, in spite of what uh, Herod might have uh, said. He was, he was the leader of a small sect. There were many sects of Judaism at that time. And uh, he was one of the... He led one of the 
less successful sects. The reason I call it one of the less successful sects is because their leader died when he was only in his 30s. Hmm. So what was le- so the, the, the uh, major sects were less worried about him because it didn't grow so much. And it really didn't for, for many years. There were the, the New Testament, tell me if I'm wrong, talks about thousands of uh, followers of Jesus. It, it, it doesn't talk about millions of followers. It doesn't talk about hundreds of thousands of followers. thousands. So you, you can ask a, a Christian scholar, how many followers did Jesus have in his lifetime? 10,000? 50,000? How many, how many you want to want to give me? Come on, let's let's make up a number. Well, I'm not going to speculate on a number when Jesus was was living. Um, certainly, the 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 New Testament speaks of of uh, you know multitudes, uh, large crowds that came out to uh, to hear Jesus teaching. But yeah, we have no way of putting a number on it. Um, we can we can uh, discuss uh, you know how successful his revolution was. Um, uh, you know it was it was more of a legacy revolution. Much of it happened after his death, and and right. what we believe uh, you know w- was his resurrection as well. And so 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 there's right. there's that element of it. But I you know I I certainly uh, agree that during the time he was alive. Um, the numbers would be uh, relatively conservative. Right. Compared, compared to the rest of the Jews. Now, of course, the rest of the Jews were um, divided into many sects as well. So besides uh, Jesus' sect, whatever you want to call it, Nazarenes or, or the way, the followers, whatever. But you mostly have the... the, 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 the um, Sadducees, or Sadducees, whatever you call it, and the, the Pharisees, I think. Those were yeah. the major ones. You also had some Essenes or something like that. But um, the, the biggest uh, um, fighters were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the way I understand it, again, I, I don't think I, t- I, I took more than a single class in Jewish history. I just know it all from the Talmud. Um, it, the, the, the Sadducees lost. And the Pharisees won. And ultimately, today's rabbinic Judaism uh, is an outshoot of the uh, Pharisees. But but that's not not the point that I want to make now. The point that I want to make now is that besides a few righteous people, arguably including Jesus, but... uh, arguably including most of the the sages that were quoted hundreds of years later in the Talmud, most of the Jews and the leaders were horrific. And ultimately, according to Jewish tradition, we were exiled because of mutual intrafracine brotherly hatred. We mm-hmm. hated each other. We couldn't wait to fight with each other. It was not so much a revolt against the Romans and the Romans beating us, according to Jewish tradition. It was a civil war. And that is what made the Jewish people ripe for the picking. 
by the by the uh, Romans. Uh, uh, mm. uh, one of the most famous stories is how in the old city of Jerusalem, they had they had um, food food pile pile stocks uh, stockpiles. Pardon me. Some of the what, what do they call it in English? The 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 the, the, the uh, uh, let me try to find it in in, in Hebrew. Uh, can't remember in either in either language. The ones who were really crazy. They were really crazy in trying to re- re- revolt against the Romans, and so they wanted everybody to revolt against the Romans. And they said, as long as we have food piles over here, people are gonna. Not worry about it, and they're going to say, "Well, put off, pull off the revolution another day." They burned the food stockpiles in the in Jerusalem. The Jews they burned their own, not the Jews. <laughs> these um, zealots, uh, crazy Jews. Yeah, and they, they and that was a that was a a, a a group. So you can see what kind of a, a civil war was going on in the Jews at the time. Uh, of which Jesus was part and parcel of, whether he wanted to or not. Interesting. Well, we've we've gotten a little bit away from uh, the Torah and what Jesus would have read, but these are very very intriguing insights. And I think the English word you were using uh, looking for there would be zealots. I don't know what the zealots. Hebrew Hebrew equivalent would be, but uh, yeah. Now. Jesus, uh, interesting fact, I guess, the the most quoted um, book, or sorry, I should say writing, that that, uh, Jesus used in the New Testament was uh, the Psalms. And I'm just wondering, you know, how are the Psalms used in uh, in the sort of Jewish religion today? And would they have been used in a similar way in the first century? Again, uh, it's hard. It's uh, it's hard for me to uh, get out of my usual thought pattern that everything that we're doing today is more or less what we were doing back two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, what we do today with the Psalms is we recite some of them during the liturgy, and when I say liturgy, we're talking about every single morning for about fifteen minutes. We recite about fifteen psalms. The same songs. And then at the end of the uh, half hour or 45 minute long morning prayer, we say another two or three songs. And in between, maybe we stick a few verses in. And then on Saturday, instead of 15 minutes in the morning, we have about 25 minutes. We had a, a bunch more songs. So that's part of the liturgy. Uh, as far as the the, uh, the chapters of the psalms themselves, the, the, each psalm is between two and 150 or so verses, I would say that average, you have 10, 20 verses a psalm. So um, we so that's reading an entire psalm. We also take verses out of the context of their psalm and stick them wherever we feel like it. <laughs> no, not wherever we feel like it. Wherever the, the uh, originators of our liturgy decided in their... Um, in their divine wisdom. <laughs> right. Um, but besides that, today, it is quite traditional, not for everybody, to sit down, take the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, and recite them, and, and, and if you will, sing them, not mm-hmm. necessarily in a, uh, in a tune, 
but uh, because they are such inspiring works of art. They're divine, of yes. course. Anybody who is going... Nowadays, you might have people who don't believe in God, but they, they think that the, that the Psalms are, are amazing poetry. So imagine thinking that they were divinely inspired and also amazing poetry. And yeah. so if you read them in Hebrew, they're much deeper, only, if only from a, 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 um, a poetic perspective, certainly from, a, from a, what you can learn from them, from, from actually reading the original words. So uh, it's possible that, just like today, that is usually the, uh, um, the, the, the space, the, the activity of grandmothers. Grandmothers are sitting on the side reading their psalms. You know, it's hard for them to do anything else, so that's what they do. So Jesus might have heard his grandmother. We, we talk about Jesus' parents, his brother maybe. Do we talk much about Jesus' grandparents in the New Testament? Oh. He, he, he obviously had grandparents. He had four, four, uh, two sets of grandparents. And he might have lived with them. And they might have been old enough to sit down. And, you know, his, his grandmother wasn't busy nursing and setting up for the kids. She was one of the kids. That's the way it is nowadays, is, you know, the sandwich generation. So he might have listened like so many Jews today, certainly 100 years ago, listened to their grandmother, to their bube, um, singing the psalms. And so the, so from there, he might have uh, heard those psalms. Mm-hmm. And he might have also heard them discussed and done the midrash upon them, learned and, and used as a, uh, a jumping board towards... Uh, traditional and perhaps at that point not so traditional learning so yeah for sure jesus okay. was knowledgeable at the as the book of at the book of psalms and if it wasn't his favorite book did, did, did he say anywhere guys i'm able to judge which is a better book which is a a, a, a less important or a less interesting book i wouldn't go on on record as saying that all of the bible is canonized the people who decided that this is the Bible said, you got, of course, again, the Torah, that's a higher level. But afterwards, if it made it into the Bible, it's all got equal authority. Well, Gidon, you've given us uh, a lot to think about, and uh, you've covered a lot of information about the Torah, about the daily and uh, the Sabbath readings. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, chanting earlier, and then we talked about the singing of the Psalms or, or a little bit of sort of uh, melody with regard to those. And, and uh, you know, science teaches us that, that uh, music is a a mnemonic device. It's it's a way to to easier uh, remember uh, the things that we sing than the things that we uh, you know either read or heard spoken. And I think that very very much likely that uh, that would be the reason for the chanting tradition and the singing tradition back when um, you know the the scroll maybe wasn't as accessible as. Uh, as it as it might be today, I don't know. That's just a thought that I had while you were talking. I would agree with that. I would like I would like to say that first of all, you are a gracious host, and I'm saying stuff uh, that uh, you might not agree with. And it's possible that it's I would guess, hopefully, po- probable 
that uh, some of your listeners or viewers would like to uh, take issue with what I've said. Uh, now, now, of course, uh, we, we come from different traditions, but I'd love to hear what people have to respond to what I've said and, and uh, maybe come to some ability to agree to disagree or maybe even agree. No, that's great. We, you know, and certainly if we get any any uh, specific feedback, we can we can pass that on to you. But but from my perspective, Gidon, I mean, we certainly come from different traditions and and um, we're not going to agree about everything that each of us says. But but the reason that we do what we do today and, and uh, other times is to find some common ground and, and help help uh, our ourselves and each other to sort of understand from the other's perspective. I think that's just so key when we uh, when we talk about these kinds of discussions. And so uh, thanks again for taking the time to be with us today. But great to have you on the podcast and uh, hope we can do this again sometime. I uh, first, first of all, you're very welcome. And we have a, a traditional teaching in uh, in Hebrew more than it, it sounds better in Hebrew more than the 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 uh, uh, baby cow. What is that? The, the, why, why do you call it baby cow? For God's sake, the egg. Calf. The um, calf. The kid. More than the calf wants yeah. to suck. Mother cow wants to give suck. In other words, more than the than the cow. The calf wants to drink. The mother wants to feed. And so when you, when you uh, ask me to uh, to teach to to share, then I love sharing because first of all, I'm learning myself as I'm teaching myself, if you will, right. coming up with ideas that, that say, wow, I'll have to look into that. And so I'm, I'm very uh, appreciative and I'm looking forward to coming back again. Well, thanks so much. Uh, give your website again, just for people who are listening, watching that would like to find out more about RootSource and then we'll sign off. Thank you very much. My website is called RootSource. That's www.root-source.com. That's root like a tree and source like water, root-source.com. It is a platform, a primarily online platform for Israeli Jews and pro-Israel Christians all over the world to engage with each other, primarily by studying and learning the topics and themes and texts that they have in common, which is exactly what we did today. Yes. Good stuff. Well, we encourage you, if you're watching, if you're listening, make sure you check out Root Source. And uh, Gidon, thanks again for being on the show. You have a great day. So, Daraba, thank you very much. Israel. That meaningful name is mentioned more than 2,300 times in the Bible. It is from this land, nation, and people that Christianity emerged some 2,000 years ago. But since that time, Christianity has become mostly disconnected from Israel. And without an understanding of the Jewishness of Jesus and our Hebraic foundations, so much of the depth and meaning of the Bible is lost. First Century Foundations is committed to helping Christians reconnect and stay connected to Israel. We invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can view our TV programs and weekly video podcasts, Keeping It Israel. Follow us on Facebook and our other social media platforms. Let's reconnect to Israel and stay connected. Find out more at firstcenturyfoundations.com.